Good evening, everyone. You're in the right place at the right time. This is Coast to Coast AM, blasting out of the Mojave Desert like a Scirocco, blazing across the land, slamming into your radio like a supercharged nanoparticle of unobtainium. Greetings from the boldest, bawdiest, most outrageous city in the world, the planetary capital of sun, fun, sin, sex, and secrets, my not-so-humble hometown, Las Vegas, Nevada. My name is George Knapp, your occasional host, designated driver of the airwaves, and moderator of tonight's upcoming cacophonous cavalcade of conversation. What's shaking out there? Hope you're all rested, relaxed, ready for some cool conversation over the next few hours. Such a great time here in the desert. Uh, the worst of the summer heat's finally behind us. It, it's still warm and sunny in the daytime and balmy and cooler in the evenings. Best time of the year to be here from now until early November. My favorite time of year. So if you need an excuse to visit Las Vegas, I'd say now is a good time. Unless you're fans of the Raiders, in which case you might experience pain and heartbreak during your trip. Cheese. Tonight, food for your brain. Big ideas, big questions, fun with science and philosophy and spirituality, too. In the second half tonight, physicist and professor Dr. Robert Nimeroff returns with some brain twisters and concepts that achieve the impossible, making physics fun. He's proposed an idea about something that is faster than the speed of light. What is it? How can this be? We'll get into that and a lot more coming out two hours from now. First, though, I'm joined by a giant in the topics we often discuss here. Dr. Ray Boucher is a theologian, writer, editor, and investigator of all things Fortean. That includes uh, UFOs, crash retrievals, secret programs, men in black, animal mutilation cases, the legacy of John Keel and his ultra correct ultra-terrestrial concept. We have so much ground to cover with him, and I'm not even sure where to start, but I'll figure that out in the next five minutes because Ray will be joining us live from his home in Nebraska. Hope you have some questions for him as well. I'll carve out some time for you to chime in. Did you see the story of what NASA accomplished today? A spaceship returned to Earth carrying materials gathered from an asteroid? An asteroid. I mean, this is Buck Rogers' Star Trek stuff happening now, not in some far distant future. Congrats to the team that pulled this off. Now, when do we get to see the goodies? Please don't lock it all up in some deep underground, ultra-secure black program. Let us see it. Also in the news tonight, we're hearing the writer's strike may be over in Hollywood. Apparently, the Writers Guild reached an accord. The strike has put TV and movie production on hold for five months. So far, we don't know if the Actors Guild is close to a settlement, though, too. Birthday greetings from coast to coast go out today to 84-year-young Dr. Jacques Vallée, perhaps the greatest thinker to ever take on these subjects that we cover here. His work really did change the world, and he's not done yet. Guy looks like a French movie star, doesn't he? Webmaster Ryan Stacy is working with me tonight managing the coast site, but I am told he is moving on to other challenges at the end of this month. Just wanted to say thanks to Ryan for being so professional and dependable, and we wish him the best. He and I pulled together our usual assortment of items and oddities culled from various news sources around the world. We call it NAPS News. You can find it on the Coast website among the stories there tonight. The U.S. government has acknowledged, perhaps reluctantly, a strange encounter involving a U.S. Air Force warplane and some unknown objects in the Gulf of Mexico. The public first got an inkling about this, you might recall, months ago when Congressman Matt Gates and his colleagues in Congress complained about what they thought would be a UFO briefing for them at Eglin Air Force Base. They say they got jacked around a little bit and had to raise a big stink before being shown some materials. No one's being real specific, 
about what those materials are, but it sounds like images from a UFO incident, and we think it sounds like it's probably this one. You have the story about this whole episode from Liberation Times. Check that out. Also, a mind-boggling science story about the discovery of a mirror universe where everything happens the opposite of here. It's been theorized in quantum realms uh, for a while now. Now there's evidence, I guess, of some sort. Another discovery about the likelihood of life outside our galaxy. That likelihood now looks a lot higher than what was predicted previously. Oh, and an interesting story about how long ago humans came to North America. I recall a decade ago, I think 11,000 years was the accepted standard. At least it was for a long time. And now it looks like the actual time period is way, way earlier, off by maybe 100,000 years or more. Those stories and more in NAPS News. While you're on the website, check out how to become a Coast Insider. The cost is about 15 cents a day if you subscribe for a year. Gives you access to a huge archive of programs and interviews, including the Art Bell Vault. You can listen anytime you want, as often as you want. It's a, it's a good deal. So, too, is a subscription to George Norrie's television program, Beyond Belief, wherein George interviews fascinating guests similar to what he does so well here on the radio. With that, let's assume the position. Bring in the dog and the cat and the family goat. Put on a pot of joe. Slide your bod into those silky jammies and your toes into your best bunny slippers. Plop yourself down in a comfy spot. Turn down the lights and turn up the radio because we're about ready to rumble in a moment, exploring the weird Fortean world of Dr. Ray Boucher. I'm George Knapp, and this is Coast to Coast AM. Welcome back. Founder and former director of the Fortean Research Center, Dr. Raymond Boucher has been involved in the study of unexplained phenomena since 1965. Wow. He served as Nebraska State Director for MUFON. He's on the Board of Advisors for the Citizens Against UFO Secrecy, a group called CAUSE, and in various capacities with numerous other organizations around the world involved in the study of unexplained phenomena. Boucher was retained by the University of Nebraska as a consultant to organize, host, and present research papers at two major international conferences on the unexplained. He's got a website that we have linked to on our website. Uh, Dr. Boucher, welcome to Coast to Coast. Well, George, it's a pleasure to be with you. Thank you. I'm, uh, I'm honored to be interviewed by you. I am reading this on the sheet I'm handed about the show, that this this is the first time you've been on Coast to Coast? How can that be? Well, I I was a guest of Art Bell's back in the ancient Dreamland days. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So that's been... I remember. In the, mid-80s, in the mid-80s, I believe. Yeah. But uh, yeah. that was the last time I was on, on um, what's now Coast to Coast. Well, I'm so glad you're here. I know the late hour makes it tough for a lot of guests. I'm aware that you had some health challenges not that long ago, but we really do appreciate you staying up late with us. There's so much we can talk about. You know, you are one of the few people in the country who have feet in multiple camps in terms of the topics we cover here. You you have one foot in the spiritual world. You know, you're a theologian. Who I, I think you delivered a sermon today or a lesson, but you spent decades pursuing the scientific investigation of, of strange phenomena, UFOs, men in black, the spirit world, all sorts of things that go bump in the night. And you've developed good sources about the black world, secret government programs. I'd like to start in general with sort of the big overview. You do not think that the world of science and the world of spirituality and faith should necessarily be at odds, right? No, I don't. I I, I just don't see, I don't see that, that, separation of the two. Uh, science 
is engaged in the search for the truth. Uh, and I will speak as, as a Christian theologian, theology is engaged in a search for the truth as revealed by God in the scriptures. Uh, so since we're, we're both seeking the truth and there, the truth by its very nature, uh, there must be an ultimate foundation of truth. So in that sense, we're both seeking exactly the same thing. Uh, we're just using different methods. Science is, in, in general, very general terms, more concerned with the, the how questions, the mechanical questions, how things work. Uh, theology is more concerned with the why question. Uh, there are four, four major questions that humanity has always asked, asked itself, and those questions deal with origins, where did we come from, meaning, why are we here, morality, how should we live, and destiny, what happens to us once we leave this life. Uh, and so I, I just don't think there's a lot of of difference between uh, there, there's a, a vast amount of difference between the topics we cover, but the quest for the truth is one and the same. Uh, Francis Bacon, uh, the founder of the scientific method, said that God has has written two books for mankind. One is the scriptures, the other is creation, and I I, I feel very much. Uh, that science is not threatened by faith, and nor is faith threatened by science. Uh, if we go back to the very the very beginning origin, uh, the the belief of a theologian that God created everything, that uh, before that there was nothing, no thing, that God exists as an eternally self-existent being outside of space and time, and that he created space and time at a particular point, uh, that's where the theologian would put their faith. The materialist, the, the naturalistic, mechanistic scientist, would say that there was uh, an infinitesimally dense point of matter that suddenly exploded, but they fail to have an explanation for where that matter came from or why, if it's sitting in this vast nothingness, it would explode. And so ultimately, both science and theology have to rest their origin point on a, a matter of faith because there's absolutely no way for us to prove either people. Uh, we can speculate a lot, we can argue a lot, but ultimately, when it comes to origins, where both the scientist and the theologian are both resting their position on... I wonder how, how you would characterize the, the viewpoints of the empiric empiricists, the materialist scientists. It doesn't seem like they're as accommodating in their public views as you are. I mean, I, I think they all think, or at least they say publicly, that when we die, for example, our destiny, that's it. You know, though I, I suspect behind closed doors, some of them might think something other than what they would say publicly to their colleagues or, or 
uh, fellow academicians. Uh, where, how do you see that? Yeah, I think you're. I think you're absolutely right, George. I think um, you know it is. Uh, it, it's, it's one thing. It's kind of like the old "no atheist in a foxhole" idea. Uh, you know, when it comes right down to the to the final uh, the final moments of someone's life, uh, are they really sure that there's nothing out there? Uh, I'm I'm reminded of the last words of Anton Zandor LaVey, who founded the Church of State, who, as he lay dying, the last words he said were, I've made a terrible mistake. I've made a terrible mistake. Uh, so I think there, there are a number of people who, for whatever reason, uh, simply choose to uh, ignore the possibility of something greater than themselves. Um, I think that's a, I think it's a very naive and myopic view, but, uh, I don't see a lot of justification for it other than I would say probably the root of it would come down to human pride. You, you know, a lot of the people that I know, colleagues and friends of mine who've been chasing UFOs for a long time have sort of moved on and, and I guess you'd say expanded the horizons by studying consciousness, UFOs as a subset of the larger mysteries about consciousness and what happens after we die, you know, that does something go on. I've always tried to resist um, going down that road too far because I worry that it's wishful thinking, you know. Uh, you know, I think there's, there's always, I mean, we, again, you know, when we, <laughs> we don't know exactly what happens because when we, when we ask the dead what happens after they died, they don't say anything, <laughs> so we don't have firsthand other than other than uh, mediums. The resurrection of Jesus Himself. We don't have any good evidence uh, for what happened. Uh, for what happened, we have we have a, a body of spiritual teaching, and depending on the spiritual tradition, uh, that that varies. But you know, I think the I think the, 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 the materialists and empiricists limit themselves too much when they, they try to constrain consciousness to nothing more than the function of the brain. Uh, I, there are a num- numbers of scientists who work in the field of consciousness who maintain that there is absolutely no way that the human brain can begin to explain consciousness, nor can we even conceive of how a thought exists, let alone the collective consciousness of a human being. Um, We'll come back to the consciousness thing, because I want to talk to you about your take on mediums, Uh, you know, because some of those same people are working on consciousness. What's one of the tools that they've been using? And I I really don't know. Well, let's talk about it now. I, I, I don't know how much credence to give any of that. And I wonder if you, how you look at mediums and the so-called communication that takes place that way, um, whether or not you can count on who's on the other side, who's talking, and looking at it through a, as a theological uh, issue, uh, does that kind of concern you? Not, not only is, a scient- is, is it scientifically legit, but theologically, is it dangerous? Uh 
from a from a theologian's point of view, I would say yes, it is. It's, uh, in the first instance, it's something that's uh, forbidden uh, in in the Old Testament. One of the one of the things God uh, commands His people to avoid is necromancy or communicating with the dead. Uh, we see, is it real? Let's let's start there. Uh, I believe it is, and I believe we have we have one example uh, at least in uh, the Old Testament, and that's where uh, Saul, King Saul, um, goes to the witch or medium of Endor and asks her to bring up the spirit of Samuel, the prophet, uh, so that he can talk to him, and. Lo and behold, the spirit of Samuel the prophet comes up, and he's a little ticked off, <laughs> wondering why why he's been being bothered by Saul. And uh, so I, I think there's there is some legitimacy to the reality of it. If it weren't real, we wouldn't be warned against it. Um, so I think there's it, it is a legitimate uh, it is a legitimate phenomenon, uh, who people are speaking with, uh, I, you know, I, Scripture does not give us any very definitive or exhaustive catalog of dealing with people in the afterlife. Could God allow your aunt who's just passed away to stop by and see you just to say goodbye uh, before she's consigned to the heavenly realm. I, absolutely, he's God. He can do what he, he, do what he chooses uh, as long as it doesn't conflict with his nature. Uh, is it something that happens on a regular basis? Uh, I, I don't see a lot of evidence for that. Uh, I believe a lot of mediumship and a lot of psychic phenomena is much the same or can be viewed in much the same way as someone who has extraordinarily sharp vision, uh, who has perfect pitch, who has extraordinary hearing, uh, and a phenomenally keen sense of smell. Uh, I believe that there are aspects of the human consciousness. In the case of some people, those aspects are more readily accessible than they are to others. So is it real? Yes. Is it something that I feel should be practiced? Uh, no. I, I, I have dealt with too many people who have gotten themselves into very dire spiritual straits by indulging in these kinds of things and it has never turned out never turned out well. In fact I will I will say that I received I have received a number of references to come and see me by a medium in the in the greater Omaha area who who does not particularly believe in the existence of spiritual evil. So when someone who sought her help 
mentions that they feel that they may be dealing with the demonic, she says, well, I've got this guy in Lincoln. Uh, <laughs> let me put you in touch with him. <laughs> so, oh, thanks. So, <laughs> thanks a lot. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it, it's <laughs> the reality is there. It's, it's not something to be played around with. It's not something to be taken lightly. Right. And, again, theologically, something to be avoided. All right. We're talking with Dr. Ray Boucher. When we come back, I'm going to jump into some current events, UFO stuff, and uh, some of the, the dark paths that that topic has taken you down, Ray. Ray Boucher, back at the dawn of time when I started chasing the UFO subject, uh, I re- recall one of the first things I did was to go out to do my own little survey among people of different faiths, uh, faith leaders, religious leaders in our community. And basically all of them said the same thing. They had no problem with it. If there's ET life out there or alien life of some other form, it's a testament to the greater glory, glory of, uh, of God kind of a thing. And, um, you know, I'm not. I'm not sure what what your entry point to the UFO uh, picture was. Uh, none of those religious leaders had given it a whole lot of thought. Uh, but uh, is there a theological uh, entry point for you to this subject? Well, it's it, 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 the the entry points are actually kind of reversed. I I became extremely interested in the topic in, in 1965 uh, when uh, my family saw. A very large, brightly lit disc about uh, uh, 8.30, 9 o'clock in the evening, uh, pass at treetop level over our house, uh, heading, heading north from south to north. And the neighbors across the street north from us uh, saw the same thing. Uh, no idea what it was, but it certainly captured my imagination. I did not have uh, what I would call an active faith until um, about 1973, and it wasn't until the mid-'80s that I really started to take uh, a concerted look from a theological perspective at the topic of UFOs and the paranormal in general. So, But I would would concur with uh, the folks you spoke with. I, I don't I see nothing in Scripture that, that gives any indication that that the possibility for God to have created other life is absent. I, I believe, again, he's God. He can do what he wants. And could he have created other life out there? Absolutely. Uh, again, the Bible is God's special revelation of himself to mankind— it's not exhaustive. So God has not chosen to tell us everything he possibly could about himself, but he's only chosen to tell us that which we need to know about him to make it through this life. So could there be other life out there? Absolutely. I, there, there is no doubt in my mind. Uh, let's jump into some specific UFO stuff. The the history of, of the topic, it, it seems to be thawing a little bit. You were aligned with part of the Citizens Against UFO Secrecy cause. That was a groundbreaking organization that really took the fight to the government um, regarding UFO documents and programs and the cover-up and secrets. Can you tell us a bit about that era? Because so many people are new to the subject over the last couple of years. They have no idea what cause did and how it changed the change the, the the rules of the game yeah there was uh, I was I was brought in asked by uh, Larry Fawcett uh, 
who was one of the directors of CAUSE, uh, if I would uh, be a part of the board. And I agreed. This was about the time that the in-camera affidavit uh, from the NSA was released. And uh, it was a, a several dozen pages, and 95% of it was all blacked out. Uh, <laughs> so it was... It was quite a. It was uh, it was a little dis, a little disconcerting to see what what the government was not revealing, and this was the affidavit that was given in secret in camera means in the judges' chambers uh, by some of the directors, and they could not even release any of that information. Uh, cause was really the first organization to start to seriously put the squeeze on the government through the Freedom of Information Act to release a lot of documents. And um, kudos to John Greenwald from uh, the Black Vault, who has uh, really, really taken what cause started decades ago and uh, taken it to a whole different level. Can you give me your overall impression about the, the recent developments in UFO world, these whistleblowers coming forward with talk about secret programs, Congress asking tough questions, legislation is pending, there's a lot of media coverage that didn't exist, uh, you know, a few more than five years ago, Avi Loeb and some folks like that, scientists, academ academics really kind of digging in. It's kind of an amazing turnaround, but, you know, I think probably there have been peaks and valleys, things like this have happened before, have they not? And are you encouraged? By the recent well, I'm I'm cautiously encouraged. Uh, from the late '60s on, it, it there have there have been waves of talk and rumor and some movement at times that the government would would disclose what they know, uh, and nothing has really come to fruition yet with. Uh, Lou Elizondo, the um, uh, the videos that were released, uh, the the I, I, there's there's a lot more happening. Uh, David Grush, his testimony, uh, I I think there's it's encouraging, but it has to move beyond. There needs to be whistleblower protection for those who come forward be able to say in a public setting rather than in private conference with the committee members exactly what they're talking about. Uh, that, would, that would be the most encouraging thing that I could see. Uh, I, you know, I, I, think it's, I think it's great that the movement has been made. I'm encouraged that a number of members in Congress are uh, – seemingly pushing hard to try to get some of this information freed up. But with the security, the intelligence community and the intelligence community apparatus that exists and the culture of that, whether anything can be pried out is another question. And to take it one step further, how much of the research that's being done is being done by the government or has been contracted out 
to private aerospace companies, which means all of the information is exempt from Freedom of Information Act searches. Right. You know, you look at a lot of these these topics through sort of a Fordian uh, prism. And I know Charles Ford, I'm, I'm paraphrasing a fairly famous quote of his, but maybe you can give me the exact quote about we are property. He came to the conclusion we are property. Uh, I'll add this this quote, too, from Terrence McKenna, who said something to the effect that something has been interacting with us throughout human history, masquerading, uh, now masquerading as E.T. You've sort of been down this path. You've dabbled. You've gone down some pretty dark alleys uh, chasing the UFO mystery into things that don't necessarily involve E.T.'s. Can we talk yeah, about that a little I, bit, I the have, Fortean angle? Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's... Uh, and I have not necessarily gone <laughs> gone down those paths uh, by choice, but rather rather by necessity. Uh, you know, I, I think uh, since today is Jacques Vallée's 84th birthday, uh, let's let's pay a little bit of homage to him with a with a a short quotation from his passport to Magonia, where Vallée says. We are dealing with a yet unrecognized level of consciousness, independent of man, but closely linked to the Earth. I do not believe anymore that UFOs are simply the spacecraft of some race of extraterrestrial visitors. This notion is too simplistic to explain their appearance, the frequency of their manifestations through recorded history, and the structure of the information exchanged with them during contact. And I, I think he's, he, he summed that up, and this has been, oh, gosh, what, some 30-plus years ago in Messengers of Deception, when or Passport to Magonia was uh, predated that. Uh, but there are, there are aspects of the, the phenomena that don't lend themselves to be explained by simply by spacecraft from another planet, another star system. There are aspects that are uh, fall into the context of what's normally termed high strangeness. And those, those aspects can be, can be very troubling. Uh, they can be very baffling. And they, they definitely do have uh, some dark overtones to them. And that makes everybody uncomfortable. I mean, mainstream scientists didn't want to deal with UFOs at all. There's a little bit of a thaw there now for some of them. But when you throw in paranormal, supernatural phenomena that pop up all the time in, in connection with these these unusual craft, this uh, unknown intelligence, man, nobody likes that. The ghost hunters don't like it. The Bigfoot people don't like it. The crop circle people don't like it. The <laughs> ufologists don't like it. Nobody's comfortable with it all mixing and matching in a one big bowl of soup and you know i have uh, from about 1960 late 67 1968 on i have in the back of my mind been toying with it hasn't moved much past that in terms of of uh concrete work but i've been toying with this idea that there there exists a way to have sort of a theory of everything that, that would encompass all sorts of phenomena like this, uh, the paranormal as a whole. 
within an all-encompassing hypothesis, uh, much like Einstein's proposed unified field theory, uh, a unified field theory of the unknown. Yeah. I, I've had uh, my, I call it my unified theory of weirdness. So, yeah, yeah. unified theory of unknown. Good. And, <laughs> and is there one? What is, what is it? Uh, you know, the, the, the closest, the closest I can come, and I won't say it answers all of the questions because it doesn't, but the closest I can come to something that attempts to explain in a coherent way all of these various areas is the field of the, the the faith of Christianity, and I would I would recommend if anyone's interested, there's a uh, a fabulous book by a late Greek Orthodox monk, Father Seraphim Rose, called Orthodoxy and the Religion of the Future, and he covers a great deal of this and comes just about as close as anyone has to um, to trying to, to verbalize this unified field of the weird. Uh, so orthodoxy in the religion of the future is a great um, a great view of the the overarching subject and how Christianity addresses, most, if not all, of those topics. Uh, another another good source is uh, a book by a man named Charles Upton called "The Alien Disclosure Deception." And uh, Upton is a he's an interesting character. He's a poet, a metaphysician. Um, he's he was a protege of the Beat Generation, so uh, he's uh, even longer in the tooth than I am. Uh, but he's a he's a brilliant man, and uh, the book is excellent. So there are there are a number of of, uh, of good sources out there that don't limit themselves to a single explanation, but try to look at a broader view of all of these topics. And, and the uh, the Terence McKenna quote that I use that something has been among us and masquerading at least recently uh, as yeah. ET. Maybe it it came to us in different forms somewhere else. Uh, does that uh, go to the heart of John Keel? I, you've written extensively about Keel. You've I don't know if you knew him or not, but I know you've you've published some some things related to his work. His belief that there was something called ultra terrestrials. Is that where you're at? Yeah, I you know I knew John uh, since about 1966. We we corresponded until uh, shortly before his death. Um, John was a remarkable figure. Uh, if you take a close look at two of his books, The Eighth Tower and UFOs Operation Trojan Horse, you see John drawing some very close comparisons between the phenomena that's encountered uh, within the, the whole UFO topic and demonology. And I always kidded John that he was probably the most Christian atheist I'd ever run across. Uh, he was, John was a, he was an interesting, he was an interesting guy, quite, uh, quite a raconteur, uh, great storyteller, uh, very good 
very good journalist. And, uh, yeah, John's ultra-terrestrial theory is much, if you, if you take it out of any theological terms, I would say the ultra-terrestrial slash interdimensional uh, idea is as close as we're going to be able to come with what we know now to an explanation. Charles Fort, uh, we are property. Uh, yes. Does he mean of extraterrestrials or something else? I think he's, I, I think, you know, again, Fort was, one of Fort's major points was not to believe in anything. <laughs> so he was sort of the ultimate agnostic or attempted to be. Um but I think what he's what he's uh, proposing there, and and I think with uh, a slight bit of tongue in cheek there, uh, that things go on in this world that we can't explain, we can't understand, and that somebody is interacting with us, and it could be that. We are property. Now, from a theological viewpoint, I, I would agree with that completely. Yes, I, we're, we're God's property. We all belong to God. <laughs> so it's, it's, uh, it, it's an interesting, it's an interesting uh, tack to take. And I, you know, I think we, we have so many questions, so much conflicting information, uh, Let's let me take a a little side trail here. I'll tell you what, Ray. We're going to have to take a break here, so hold on on your side uh, side trip. We'll come back to that after this break. And I want to ask you about the Collins elite, some dark, shadowy figures that that uh, you've uh, been a source of information on. And I know our listeners are going to, going to want to hear. Doctor Ray Boucher is my guest.